Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. My name is Tony Kerr. Coming up, we'll be reflecting on the week that was in Ireland sport. And with lockdown lifted, we've actually had some. Uh, We'll also be speaking to the co-chair of Guernsey Raiders, Andrea Harris, about where the pandemic has left one of the island's biggest clubs and how they plan to get back on the pitch. And we'll have a look at what's coming up over the next few days as more local sports emerge from the eight-week stoppage. To help me do that, I've got the full might of the Guernsey Press Sports Desk with me, Rob Batiste. How do? Gareth Lebrevo. Hi, Tony. And making his pod debut this week, Jamie Ingrall. Hi. Well, let's start with our moments of the week. As I mentioned, we've got some action to enjoy, which uh, has been brilliant. And there's been some really high-profile recognition as well for some of our young stars. We've seen Seb Prio win on his debut in the Porsche Carrera Cup in the US. Alex Scott called up to the England under-18 squad. And Maya Letizia named among the 10 best young players in the world by a leading online publication. What a week, Rob. Uh, How encouraging is it for you to see those young sportsmen and women doing what they're doing. That's incredible, really, when you think, let's say, just a small island like ours producing three such talented individuals, all very, very determined and focused and great ambition. And, of course, that's what requires ambition. Um, natural island life doesn't lead to that, really. People, a lot of youngsters, harbour hopes when they're young about achieving things in their own particular sport. But when it comes to actually stepping outside of Guernsey and actually going on to a national or international level, it requires something a bit, a bit different and a bit special. And quite clearly, those three have that in spades. Yeah, I mean, we could probably have, a, a, at the moment, a slot on Alex and Mayer every week because the, 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 you know, the, the, the way their um, development is progressing at pace is, is, is pretty incredible. Um, Gareth, just put that, that um, list into perspective for us because for, for Mayer to be named among the best young talents in the world by a reputable and massive worldwide publication is quite something. It's amazing really, Tony. Um, when you look at the, the list of the 10 um, players, I mean, they are from all corners of the globe. You've got, you've got clubs in South America, North America, Asia, all over the world. And um, then you have the Guernsey girl right in the middle of it. And it's, it's just fantastic. And it just shows sort of the regard Mayer is held in, I think, in, certainly in the Women's Super League in, in uh, England. Um, once the um, award was announced sort of thing, she had a lot of her teammates you see on social media just saying sort of how good she is now. And, but she is still only going to get better because she's still only 18. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's great to have that recognition now. And um, I think uh, things are still on the up for for Mayer for several years to come. Uh, We mentioned Alex Scott, of course, as well. Um, If you missed it, you can listen back to the first Guernsey Press football podcast, which we put out on Monday, uh, and we'll be doing so for the rest of the season. We had uh, Guernsey men's manager Chris Tardiff uh, with us for the first one. We discussed Alex's uh, England selection and also took an in-depth look at the Prio League run-in, which gets underway on Saturday. So check that one out. Uh, Well, let's have a look at some of the other things that have caught our eyes uh, this week. Jamie, you've been out uh, covering a few a- actual live sporting events, which is quite exciting. Um, what stood out for you this week? Well, as with last lockdown, cycling has been kind of a pioneer, being one of the first sports back. Last time out, it actually sort of set standards for what other countries abroad would be doing and what Jersey would be doing, for example. Socially distanced time trials, limited entries... So we had more of that last weekend with the first road time trials of the season. They were due to be held the weekend before, but 
felt foul out of the weather, unfortunately. A bit of a blow for people who've been wa- waiting so long to come back from lockdown. But yeah, that went ahead. Um, reasonably su- successful. Yeah, I was there with you at the, uh, the mountain bike a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, great to see stuff coming back. And you've been at some darts as well this week. Yes. So looking back at what's happened this week, almost immediately after we left lockdown, really, we had some Monday night darts. It's a sport which really hasn't had that much of a limelight, but it's got big things in the pipeline. Guernsey has got World Darts Federation membership. That's a relatively recent development. And it could lead to some big things. In the last two years, Guernsey's been hosting the Herm Open, which has already appeared on the radar of players abroad, English players and the like. Quite a special location, really, for, for a darts tournament. And as you say, lots of exciting things to come there. And league action started this week. And yeah, lots of people at Guernsey would have been pleased to get back into the pub, but yeah, not least the, the darts players. So that's, uh, that's great Do you think see. Barry Hearn might well um, one day sort of <laughs> catch catch um home as a potential venue for one of his major events it looked good on tv i think yeah i mean yeah live darts from the the pier at the end of home <laughs> i went over to the to the one in the summer and obviously they held it inside the mermaid but you know if they could get it outside in a in a summer's evening uh, open air with a bit of music it would be uh, you know quite special uh gareth give us your moment of the week well, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed being out on, on the um, football um, reporting jobs that I've had, but um, in terms of actual sort of news that caught my eye, it was uh, the end of last week, it was um, announced uh, Lee Savadon is going to be part of the coaching setup for the Ireland cricket side. And um, I, was, I was really pleased when that was actually announced because I think it's, it's, um, it's going to be a win on both sides. Uh, Lee obviously was our first ever professional cricketer. Um, amazingly talented sportsman just generally whatever he turns his mind to he, he seems to excel at um, but the thing is with Lee he's obviously he's got a lot of experience now um, but he also when you sit down watching him cricket with Lee he just talks sense and you can, he sees what's happening very clearly and I think it can only be of great benefit to the likes of Josh, uh, Josh Butler who's uh, our Ireland T20 captain just to be able to tap into that sort of knowledge um, as Lee said to me, he said he's not really going to be there for the technical side of things. I mean, when when you're a guy as big as Lee, you just used to stand up and hit it as hard as he could, and he could hit it a very long way. You can't really teach that. That comes naturally. But to actually um, be able to impart on people um, knowledge of the game and how a game is developing, which Lee seems to be able to do very easily, I think that's um, going to be a great benefit to the island side. Yeah, is it, do you think that's something that Guernsey Cricket has done well or not so well in, in recent years in terms of exploiting the the kind of knowledge and experience that, that is in there in former players? I think they've got a lot better at it in, in sort of recent times. Obviously, it, it's still, it's a relatively new thing, I suppose, to Guernsey Cricket that we still have sort of like um, head coaches coming in. From, we've obviously got uh, Andy Cornford back now, who's who's been involved before as well. Uh, Nick Pothis came over, Ash Wright. Um, and they're, they're great um, in terms of their knowledge of the game, what have you. But to have um, guys who the current Ireland setup can look up to, who have been there and done it before, lightly. Um, I know my brother was once um, out with the, the Guernsey side in Essex for one of their World Cricket League tournaments after he'd retired. Um, Stewie Bisson has also been involved. And those who have been there, done that, and been successful at it, it's only, it's only going to help having them around the group. 
Fantastic to see. Well, uh, yeah, uh, hopefully we'll get some cricket as well to enjoy this summer. Uh, Rob, your highlight of the week? Well, it has to be the fact that we've got some golf being played. Um, new seasons here. We've had the Henderson Cup first round qualifiers. Royal Guernsey are today playing their second 18-hole qualifier for this event, which is very, it goes back decades and is one of the most prestigious competitions in Guernsey golf. We've got qualifiers of both the Royal and the Lancress and the top eight players from each club go forward to a handicap match play competition which runs through the mo- the early part of the summer. Um, it's great to see Lancress actually um, greatly recovered from the winter weather travails. I mean it's not that long ago it was actually underwater um, and we've you look at it now, it's fantastic on, on the sunny day like today with the yellow gorse um, out out in full splendour. And I gather we've got a new um, greenkeeper in charge at the Lancrest. He's working very hard and creating an early impression. He's a Jerseyman, Ollie Pennington. So I don't know how he's coping with Guernsey life. but <laughs> he's uh, against him. But no, but I gather I mean, everybody I've bumped into is talking very highly of, what, of his work and the fact there's a lot of... Um, a lot of early signs of improvement. Um, what they're going to do with the crow situation, I'm not sure, because I, I gather from the, 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 the crows are, in recent times have been making playing merry hell with the course and digging up areas. And um, that's in addition to, of course, the perennial problem of rabbits. But um, anyway, it's good to see that golf is here and I think we're going to have a fantastic summer. And I'm really looking forward to see, see how some of these young emerging kids are going to perform this year. Um, on the senior scene. Oh, good to hear it's dried out because it did re- resemble um, kind of the Great Lakes, didn't it, at one point? I'd like to blame the, the new head greenkeeper for my poor performance in my first <laughs> outing this season because the greens were a heck of a lot quicker than I expected them to be in, in March. And um, my first putt from 10 feet, I think, ended up about 15 feet away past the other side. So, um, But no, it's certainly, it's certainly improving down, uh, down at Lancrest. Well, fantastic. Uh, yeah, lots to enjoy this week and great to see... Um, yeah, great, great to see so much going on again and yeah, lots more to look forward to. We'll, we'll have a look at uh, what's coming up uh, over the next few days and over the weekend in particular at the end of this show. Uh, but next, we're going to be speaking to Guernsey Raiders co-chair Andrea Harris. Welcome back to the Guernsey Press Sport podcast. Thanks to everyone who's listened so far. Uh, don't forget to hit follow wherever you get your podcasts. And if you can leave us a rating or review, that would be hugely appreciated. It all helps to spread the word. Now, this week's guest is someone breaking new ground in Guernsey sport. A former player, she's now the first woman to hold the position of chair of Guernsey Raiders, a club, of course, which has been around uh, for some time. I'm delighted to welcome Andrea Harris to the pod. Andrea, great to see you. Yeah, thanks for having me. How have uh, the last few weeks of uh, lockdown been for you and, and, and this week of relative normality? Yeah, no, I think uh, everybody, it's, it's, it's great to see such a great uh, feel around the island. Everybody's excited to see each other's faces again after the sort of having to wear masks for a couple of months and you know uh, getting back into things and I think the weather obviously helps people's moods as well as we're sort of heading towards summer so no it's been great um, great to see everybody again and you're saying the women got back to training this week um, yeah. have, you, have you got the boots on again or are you... yeah I do actually I've been one foot in and one foot out thinking about what, whether I might continue but um, running around on Tuesday night I'm definitely quite keen to see how sort of pre-season goes and whether I might be able to, to put those boots on again properly so um, you never know I never say never 
fantastic. And yeah, I mean, you couldn't really have stepped up at a more challenging time, I guess, to, to lead this club. No league action, of course, for a year now. Um, and you, you guys have been, or had to be really creative to capitalise on what we, what we could do here in Guernsey. What's it been like helping steer the club through these last 12 months yeah it's it, you're right it's a really challenging time to get involved and um you know it's been wonderful to have charles McHugh um as joint chair um so we've, we've been doing that together for the last well since sort of july um and it's yeah we had to come up with some some ideas because the, the main thing for us is funding and of course we weren't traveling last season but there's still costs that we incur as a club on a month by month basis that needed to be funded so you know we're so lucky that we have the support of our sponsors um who continued to to support us financially Financially, even though all of the local businesses are experiencing their own financial difficulties at the moment as well. Um, and so, you know, coming up with some ideas, we were super lucky to have that airbridge with the Isle of Man that day down at Foots Lane, apart from Asiam, biggest crowd we've ever had, biggest taking day we've ever had. So, you know, and I think that came at the right time when everybody was sort of, we'd come out of lockdown, we're in the summer, everybody's in a great mood. It was a fantastic day. Um, and then as the ladies team we were also able to go over to the Isle of Man and, and play their um, Vagabonds team who were um, were actually in the same league as each other just in different regions um, and yeah they were a very hard hitting side um, but it was wonderful for you know a lot of our new players to actually play a proper game um, and have that experience Yeah you, you, know, you also got some days down there was a, a sevens day at Foots Lane there was those uh, sort of in-house test matches uh, how, how did the second lockdown affect things did you have any plans for, for similar kind of things? Yeah um, we didn't um, have so many sort of game um, time planned, but we did have some functions planned. So we were looking at having, well, we were, we planned, I think it was the second week after we'd gone into lockdown, we were supposed to be having a, a virtual celebrity dinner uh, with Mike Tindall and Ian Bolshaw. So we're now looking to reschedule that sometime in the next few months and, and hopefully get that back on the agenda. And um, with the Six Nations rugby as well, you know, great time to get everyone down the clubhouse and, you know, get some, some good banter going on between uh, the different nations and the different supporters. Um, and unfortunately, we had to cancel that event as well. So, you know, there, there's been a few things that we've had to sort of that have fallen by the wayside. But we're looking forward to hopefully bringing rugby back um, and doing a few things hopefully over the next few months. Yeah, things are looking uh, perhaps a bit more optimistic all around, really. Uh, just give us a sense of where the club is um, as you kind of yeah, look to build out of this pandemic and get back onto the field for, for all the sides next season. Yeah, I think that the, the biggest probably disappointment really is that at the end of the 18-19 uh, season, um, you had the, the boys being promoted. Um, you know, they finished, oh, sorry, 19-20 season. Um, and you know, they, they finished the season. Um, obviously, they didn't get to finish it in their games. But then, you know, from some mathematical formula that the RFU came up with, we ended up second, which was disappointing because it would have been great to take it outright. But that did mean that the boys got promoted to championship two again. Um, uh, so that means, you know, amazing things. And, you know, the boys had worked so hard for that. And then to sort of then, you know, it all come to sort of a halt and not be able to get out there and, and challenge that. So hopefully everything, you know, touch wood going according to plan. Uh, come September, the boys will be um, up there in, in national two um, and, you know, hopefully giving it a really good run for their money. And the plan's in sort of full swing, you know, fingers crossed, confident that the sides will be back on the pitch 
yeah, come the start of the new season? It's just, it's such a hard thing to say, isn't it? You know, you just don't know what's going to happen over the next few months. But, you know, after everything that we've been through, as I said, of this second round, the fact that the vaccinations are being rolled out here and in the UK, um, the talk from the states about the fact that, the, you know, they're hoping from July there won't be the two-week isolation requirement, because um, that's the biggest thing. We can't travel away and play if there is a league in England, because all our players, are we're, we're all amateur players. You know, everybody's got a day job to do, and we can't be taking that time off work um you know coming back from playing a game so um hopefully you know if, if all the, the stars align we hopefully be seeing some live rugby action at foots lane in september an exciting prospect you've also announced plans with jersey reds of course for three siam cups uh, next season um just give us a sense of how important those games are i guess to both clubs but particularly to to raiders in terms of um, you know, the future prosperity of the club. Yeah, no, I mean, Siam is, is hands down the biggest day um, for the club. And, you know, that's a, a huge day of income that we've lost um, in, you know, the current financial year. Um, you know, and the, the, the 2020 was supposed to be the centenary Siam. It was supposed to be a huge celebration of all the history and, and all of the, you know, some of those matches that you hear some of the boys talk about from 20 or 30 years ago. Um, and, you know, the, the history of it, we can see it in a lot of the, the photos and a lot of the memorabilia that we've got and it really would have been you know great to get out there and celebrate that so the fantastic news is that we've agreed with Jersey to try and sort of catch up the fixtures that we've missed um, and to you know rather than wait until May and we can't do anything this May because we just don't think that there's enough time for you know for the islands to sort themselves out in relation to travel requirements and restrictions and things like that so we discuss with them about whether we might be able to sort of have that centenary fixture uh, in August. So it's sort of a lead into the season. Um, and I think that that just means everybody's going to be so much more motivated for pre-season. Um, and so we'll be hosting it here on the, the August bank holiday weekend. Um, and, you know, the last time we hosted it here, we had that famous greenwash where all four teams won, you know, the vets, the ladies, uh, the seconds and the firsts. And that day was, was incredible. And if we could see something like that again, that would be an amazing way to start off the next season. And I, yeah, I guess it's fair to say over the last few years, the working relationship with Jersey Reds in terms of organising the Siam and, and the rules and everything that goes behind it hasn't always been that cordial. Um, has the pandemic and the, the kind of financial reality of things has actually kind of brought you guys a bit closer together and onto the same page? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's there's always going to be um, that differential with the fact that the Jersey Reds play in, you know, the championship, right? So they're paid players. They're a much uh, higher level of standard um, that, than what the, the Raiders are because we are an amateur team. Um, but at the same time, I think uh, both clubs, you know, have to realise that it's a massively important day. And it's the second oldest rugby cup in the history of rugby. Um, so there's a lot of tradition that comes along with that. And I think it ends up coming down to the fact that, that you know, the players want to get out there and, and play, you know, passionately and, and represent their, their island. I was going to ask um, about the, the in-house tests. I mean, obviously, the thing is with rugby over here, Andrea, is um, the players who play for Raiders, they haven't got a domestic league to filter back down into. Um, so, I mean, they certainly seem to enjoy those games. In fact, I, I was quite scared by the fact they hit each other harder than they generally hit the visiting teams. But um, how did the, how did, what was the feedback like from the players to actually just get those three games? Because, I mean, they had big crowds as well. Yeah, no, I think, um, you know, in, in a season where there was no rugby to be played, I think um, the players were just happy to get out there and have a run around.
around. You know, people play rugby because they're passionate about it, you know, and we do put our bodies on the line um, with the risk of, of serious injury because we love it and we're passionate about it. So for the, for the for the guys to be able to get out there, and I think, you know, as much as, you know, a harmonious team um, there is, there are also, you know, some grudges potentially in the background. So I think, you know, it was a great opportunity for, for a few people to get a few frustrations out perhaps. Um, and, you know, we did it with the ladies as well. Um, you know, we had some sevens, some tens, and then we also had a magnificent day where we had, um, you know, current ladies players playing against a, a vets team. So in an island of 60-odd thousand people where you're putting out, you know, 50-odd ladies playing a game of rugby, I think that's fantastic and it, it speaks volumes for, um, you know, where we've come as, as a club over the past five to ten years. Um, Andrew, the last few years, the Footslane Garenstand Clubhouse has been sort of full every other Saturday throughout the winter. The fact you've lost so, so much this year, including this period, recent period with the Six Nations, etc., the financial hit at the club must be huge. Can you give us any indication about what sort of figure we're talking about? Obviously, it must be a six-figure sum, surely. Yeah, I mean, as I sort of mentioned before, we're super lucky that all of our sponsors, you know, carried on and, and continued to support us. Um, and, you know... With the, with the loss of that that game day income, obviously that that's quite a big hit as well. Um, we obviously we it's been well publicised that we've also um, had our um, RFU funding withdrawn. Um, that funding is specifically in relation to to travel. So people might think, well, you know, you didn't travel last season, so you know the hit can't be that big. But um, for the coming season, um, if we are going to play, it still looks like there won't be any of that funding coming through. So you know that's a hundred thousand pounds that we need to be able to, to find somewhere um, and as much as our, our sponsors are great at digging into their pockets and supporting us um, you know we need to try and think of you know other ways to, to raise those funds such as having some events down there hopefully getting um, you know maybe a few sort of warm-up fixtures in um, if the travel restrictions are, are removed in you know July maybe we can get some teams over to have some pre-season games um, so I mean you know I, I don't want to sort of put a figure out there as to how much you know um, the, the deficit might be but we are also really lucky that we've had some funding from the Social Investment Fund. Um, the club is a charity at the end of the day, um, and so we made made an application to them and, and received uh, some very welcomed um, funding from them too. So it has been obviously quite difficult, and you know, with with the fact that we haven't been operating, a lot of the costs aren't there. But you haven't got that revenue, that extra revenue coming in either. So yeah, it, it has been really difficult, and I think it will continue to be difficult for at least another year or so. Um, and hopefully we might be in a position where the RFU in, in a few years' time can, can start giving us some of that travel funding again. Because um, the, the, the converse is as well, the teams that we're playing, um, they're not getting their trips over here funded either. They all have to come up with their, you know, probably £3,000 a pop um, for them to come over. And some of those teams will really struggle just to get that money together as well. Yeah, so that doesn't make Raiders very popular, then, I should imagine, among some of these clubs. <laughs> it's funny, though. Everybody, you know, I've been to a lot of the, the match day lunches with um, committee members from, from visiting teams, and they love coming over, you know, and a lot of them will come over on a Friday and stay on until sort of a Sunday afternoon, and they, they like that match the best of the year because they get to have a little jolly over in the Channel Islands, so... Um, and the um, sort of the relationship with Jack's Vikings now, because then they've moved, basically, their hub to Footslane, so... It's, it's almost like a an all-in-one Guernsey rugby hub down there now. So it's sort of broadening the, um, the, the take-up there. Yeah, I think um, the relationship between the two clubs over the past few years has really moved forward in leaps and bounds. Um, and 
you know, it, it's difficult. Like the Raiders couldn't have a seconds team as well as St. Jack's being in existence. Um, that the pool of, of available players in Guernsey just isn't large enough to support that. So the two clubs, you know, um, coming together and, you know, there's a lot of, they, they train a lot together. They, you know, they train the same plays. They, you know, I, I know that Jordan is director of rugby is always looking at, at the Vikings players to see who may be able to sort of maybe, you know, a bit more sort of development to then move up and make that step up to play you know Raiders level rugby and so it's um it's wonderful that you know we're, we're more cohesive now than than we were before um and you know we put some of the the historical ups and downs behind us and you know all working towards the same goal now you've been talking about the numbers of women involved now in the club and, and yeah being able to get uh you know the, the the vets team playing the you know the the current Raiders um ladies squad how much has that moved on in your your time you know, being involved in the club and um now you're in the kind of the the top seat is that something that you want to drive on further and and kind of get to a situation where the women's side yeah maybe isn't quite on on parity in terms of the level but certainly in terms of exposure and and um you know the whole kind of treatment of players across the club well yeah I mean I 100% it's come on um so far since I first got involved um my first season was the first season that the ladies were actually in a UK league um and at that point in time we were a completely separate team from the club um the two didn't really talk to each other um, insofar as they were just completely separate entities, completely separate funding, different sponsors, all of that sort of thing. Um, and then sort of, I, th- I think it was a little bit of a, um, we sort of, it was a bit of a sit up and take notice. Um, we are the real deal, you know, let's, let's, do, you know, let's do this. So after one season, um, you know, the committees had a, had a discussion and it was decided that um, the ladies would become part of the main club. Um, we did have our own sort of identity insofar as our, our own logo um, and our kit was a bit different, but then that's evolved over time and sort of also as, as attitudes have shifted as well. Um, you know, we've, we've become a much more cohesive bunch. There's a, you know, a lot more sort of joint you know events and things like that you know and if you look around the stand in a Raiders game like in one of the men's games on a Saturday you'll see half the female squad there and then we're really delighted as well that we can say the same now for for our matches on a Sunday um you know we get a lot of the guys coming down there's um you know some of the the guys in sort of specialist positions like say for example you know in, in a 10 um you know they come down and help out with kicking um and a bit of you know imparting their knowledge on us to help us develop as well um so as much as um you know it's come a long way there's always still a bit you know you can we can always do it better um but you know I'm, I'm not sort of saying I'm a, I'm a pioneer for for women's rights and women's rugby I'm just very much I want um us to be a cohesive club and I just want to continue us sort of moving moving together and I think that also that goes through all levels of the rugby as well like down to the academy you know we're very much um supportive and, and encouraging and really like to get our senior players getting down to the academy trainings and helping out the coaches and you know there are some of the the senior players that are holding co- coaching roles and they've done their coaching courses they're involved with maybe the under 10s or you know the under 16s or, or you know and, and you know the Colts and all that sort of a thing so you know bringing that that one club and that's that's something that we're trying to focus on as well is our hashtag is you know you know our club um, and we want to make it inclusive for everybody and where do you see it going next are the 
are there areas of improvement that, you, that you've identified? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think we, we've got the match day uh, experience on a Saturday for a, a men's Raiders game down pat. And what we'd ideally like to do, I mean, the, the frustration for um, the ladies is that we play on a Sunday, you know, our fixtures and our leagues come out and they're, they're played on a Sunday. But what's positive is that we, uh, when our fixtures come out, we sort of see how they marry up with the men's fixtures. And because the best days at Foots Lane are if you can get a Vikings game and then a Raiders game and then a ladies game, you know, if you get the three of them on the same day, it's a huge day financially for the club and it's an amazing day for the players. You know, there's a lot of rugby to watch and then lots of beers to be had in the bar afterwards. Um, and so, you know, um, having those, you know, triple header fixtures, I think is something we really want to try and do. And again, sort of going back to what I said before about visiting teams coming over, same thing. The ladies like to switch to a Saturday so they can come over and you know, spend the weekend here and have a bit of a look around. Um, and of course, that all goes to helping the, the economy as well, doesn't it? You know, accommodation, um, you know, hospitality, all of that sort of a thing. And, you know, as we mentioned at the start, um, you are the first woman to hold this position at the club and it is a club with a you know, long history. Um as well as bringing on the the women's side of things on the pitch, you, you know, do you hope that that more women will get involved at the kind of the you know the top level of management at the club? Well, we've actually got um, three, I think three of our committee members are women, um, and yeah, so myself and one other current uh, players, um, and our club secretary um, Sadie Marion, she's a stalwart of the club. Uh, we wouldn't be able to function without her, um, and then uh, her daughter Rachel, who's been a big part of, of rugby in Guernsey as well. Um, she was social secretary last year, but she's in the UK at the moment, um, finishing off her studies. So hopefully, when she comes back, she'll get back involved with the committee as well. So. Um, there are actually quite a few women already involved in the management of, of the committee. And um, if anything, I think we've actually, we've got a really good mix of people. We've got some very good-minded business people. We've got some very well-connected people. Um, and I just, my main um, hope is that it's a consolidation period. Um, obviously, we want more growth and more revenue, but insofar as management, I just hope that the current team sticks around. Um, so, because there's just some great ideas in there um, and great ways to move the club forward. And just looking ahead to, to next season, you know, on the men's side of things, uh, as you said, uh, they'll make the step up to National 2 again. It was a tough experience last time out. And yeah, do you, from, from your committee level, do you see the side being uh, more competitive this time when they do get that chance? Um, definitely. Um, I think that um, from the last time that we were in National 2 to now, that discussion we had before about the Vikings and the, the more sort of aligned um, overall squad, you know, like if Geordie has the, the opportunity to pick from 50 different people, um, as opposed to trying to scrape a team together of 18 to play because, you know, we've got some injuries and that sort of a thing happening. I mean, th there's just so much more depth, I think, this time around. Around. And that's absolutely, absolutely no disrespect to the people that were around a few years ago. Um, but it's just a, a result of um, the more cohesive approach is that we have a wider talent pool to choose from. Um, and I also think that now that we've been there, we know what's expected. The boys know they've got to, you know, they've got to do that extra work in the gym and they've got to push that little bit harder. Um, and I think the way that the league finished last time, you know, you really had... Guernsey and then the other team, um, whoever they were, um, you know, they were really sort of a, a poles apart from from the other teams. Um, and so hopefully that puts us in good stead for to get up there and, and then consolidate and hold our place in that league. Will um, the COVID um, driven financial hit 
impinge Geordie at all in terms of actually getting more talent into the squad? I know he recently announced a new scrum half coming in, but yeah. does it mean that he's probably may only had to bring in two or three new ones as opposed to five or six, or is it going to be far more we're forced into more self-development? Um, I think it's it's probably a little bit of both, but um, you know some of the players um, that we you know got over here a few years ago are now actually settled here and uh, you know um, are no longer sort of financial burden isn't the right way to put it, but if if, if that makes sense. So um, there's you know money freed up in relation to that that can be used to, to bring new players over, um, and we've got a really good um, relationship with some of the the major sort of you know accounting firms and you know fund administration firms, and you know some of these young guys that are you know finishing uni in the UK. You know, Geordie gets in touch with them and, you know, they, they can basically come over here and spend three years working here, playing rugby here and end up with, you know, a, a qualification, um, you know, be chartered, be, being a chartered accountant or, or something like that. And, you know, to be able to combine that um, in an idyllic location, I think that's a great opportunity for some people. And they really see that, you know, it's a it's a good thing for them to get, come and do. Yes, obviously, um, great testament to Guernsey life, really, that so many have come here established a great successful career and ended up marrying local ladies and then setting up families and are still here many many years on yeah absolutely and you know i'm i've seen that in my time you know some of the guys that were um new and, and sort of brought over in my first year or two of involvement they're exactly that um settled down bought a house you know really not looking to leave and you know so i think that's changed a lot as well this whole parachuting players in for a year it just it's not on our agenda anymore that's that's not what we want to do we want to keep them here and i think once they get a season or two under their belt, get a few nice summers in. They're like, this is actually quite nice. Well, thanks so much for coming in, Andrea. Um, yeah, keep up the good work. Hopefully we'll see some action on the pitch sooner rather than later. And uh, yeah, lots to look forward to next season. No worries. Thanks, gents. Great to hear from Andrea there. Uh, yeah, really looking forward to some big days down at the rugby club again soon. Very much so. Um... Saturday afternoons of Foots Lane when the Raiders are playing in recent years has been one fantastic experience. Um, you know, we've played a lot of great, exciting running rugby in the sight of likes of Anthony Armstrong running 70, 80 metres, diving in the corner and the whole stand erupting. It's, been, it's, a, great, it's a great sound, it's a great vibe and um, fair play to them. The, the rugby show in recent years has been incredible. Um, when you think what it used to be like, you know, 20 years ago, it, it, it's beyond all comprehension how it's how it's advanced and fair play to them all um and fair play to the the rugby committee these days which i gather is very 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 much um appreciative of the ladies help they've brought a lot of organization and expertise which is great it's great to see before we wrap up then let's have a quick chat about what's coming up uh, sports exit from lockdown continues apace uh, jamie what are you covering this weekend i gather it's a pretty big one for motorsport we have a swift return for island motorsport with Varzon sprint being the first event back that will be on saturday and combine cars bikes whatever vehicles people want to bring along um it's Expecting an entry of around 50 so far, having spoken to the acting Guernsey Carter Motor Club president, Dave Lechemonant, this morning. Uh, more can enter on the day, although it's restricted to club members only. But yeah, that will be a fast thriller to start the season. And the return continues on Sunday with three other events. We'll have karting, we'll have autocross, and we'll have trials. So plenty of choice for local motorsport enthusiasts. 
Yeah, fantastic. It just highlights the breadth of motorsport we have in the island and, and the, the desire for everyone to kind of get straight back into it. Gareth, we've got some hockey back too. Um, potential for some decisive matches? Yes. Um, if, my ma- if my maths is right, Tony, um, uh, the, the hockey top flights both return this weekend. And I believe um, if Amazons win their next game, um, they will be crowned Women's League champions. They've um, gone unbeaten so far from their nine, nine matches. They've won seven, drawn two. Uh, they're in action on Sunday against the um, Ireland junior girls side. Um, and so, yeah, they, we could have um, a, a team crown champions on the first weekend back. Uh, the men's league returns on Saturday. Uh, Indies, who are sort of runaway leaders at the top, they've won their first 10 games. They're playing uh, champions casuals at uh, half past three on Saturday. Um, and Colombians are in action earlier in the day against Yobos, in, also in the top flight. And Colombians... They'll need to win that one um, to remain a very slight chance of um, catching Indies, but I, I very much doubt that will happen this year. Expect a good atmosphere down on the, the balcony there? I, I, I would imagine that the, the hockey clubhouse will be pretty busy on Saturday. I mean, it usually is anyway, but um, the fact that they've had a, had a break of a couple of months will certainly get people wanting to go back down there, and hopefully the weather's kind to them and um, the, uh, the balcony and the, and the stand will be full. We've seen some football this week. We've been at the Jeremy Cup semi-finals and the Premier League kind of roars back into life on Saturday. Yeah, the game's coming thick and fast and a big one to start. Yeah, it does, Tony. Um, cracking game in prospect at Portsmouth. Rovers against Sylvans. Saturday afternoon, two o'clock kickoff. Um, it'd be interesting to see how that one goes. Um, contrasting results for the two sides in midweek in the Jeremy. Sylvans played well for much of the game against um, St Martins before running out of steam and getting beaten extra time. But I think there was a lot of encouragement there for Coach Martin Degare. Um, Rovers um, experimented a little bit in their team selection for the game against North, um, North last night and came through 2-1 winners. Should have won it probably a little bit easier than that. But it's good to see... Newcomer Jake Stevens get a run out and managed to score a goal. He looked decent and neat. Um, Rovers have got a really, really impressive squad in terms of depth. Um, rivals St Martins, really. Um, I fancy Rovers back on their home patch will will probably just edge it again and um, keep the pressure on St Martins, who are at Northfield Saturday afternoon. Um, I suspect that they may well win that one as well because I think North... Picked up a few key injuries last night and they've already got a small squad. Um, I don't, don't like the way Sam Murray, their influential striker, ended the game. He was obviously in some sort of um, distress and they already lost a couple of players earlier. So it'd be interesting to see what comes out on that one. Yeah, we'll, we'll of course, uh, have full coverage of everything that matters uh, in the paper, online as well. Where I'll be filming the pre-league game uh, at Portsmouth on Saturday, so keep an eye out for uh, the highlights from that one. Of course, you can watch the highlights from both the Jeremy Cup semi-finals as well. Uh, just head to guernseypress.com. Uh, don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter as well for the latest at GSY Press Sport and on Instagram at GSY Press Sport. Thanks so much, guys. We'll be back on Monday uh, with more football chat. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend. 